what I know to be true is that the absolute best visionaries and orators of those visions have had a simple vision and have fundamentally believed in what they are doing. So when you think about who my influences are, I've probably watched Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream a thousand times in my career. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Egnall, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Have you ever met someone who is so passionate and so dynamic that you know that when they find their cause, the world will change and magic will happen? Well, I met one of those people uh, who was my guest today a couple years ago. Her name is Jody Kovitz, and I just published my book, Leaving Through Language, and a mutual friend introduced us. He said that Jody uh, was interested in writing a book and wanted to pick my brains. And at the time, she was working at a law firm here in Toronto as a business development executive. And we got together and talked about the book writing process and what it took and why I wouldn't do it again for a very long time. But uh, our conversation quickly went uh, to a whole host of other topics. And what was so clear to me is that Jody had passion, energy, and vision to spare. And that when she found the cause that mattered to her and watch out world. So fast forward to 2017, Jody and I had stayed in touch and... I started reading about a new movement that she was leading called uh, hashtag move the dial. And it wasn't an an organization at first. It was really just a movement to bring people together with the cause of increasing the representation of women in technology. And I I saw, kind of watching from the, the sidelines, that she was unsurprisingly getting huge interest, huge participation, and creating something special. And shortly thereafter, Jody, uh, you know, pers- decided to leave and pursue Move the Dial full time, and has since built not only a movement but the organization behind the movement to uh, bring the mission to life. I want to have her on the podcast because you'll hear how she used her vision, her courage, her passion, and her commitment to authenticity to inspire people to come together and make real change in an industry that needs it. In 2016, according to Mars Data Catalyst, women made up only 32% of tech startup founders in Ontario. Women-led businesses received only 4% venture capital funding, according to Toronto-based SHIO. And there's a whole host of other statistics. We know that the percentage of women in tech is not where it needs to be, and that organizations are uh, would be better off if that changed. So Jody's story and her voice Uh, have important lessons for anyone who wants to speak up and bring about real change in their work and their life. Enjoy. So today it's great to have Jody Kovitz on the Inspire podcast. And Jody is the founder and chief executive officer of Move the Dial. Uh, And Move the Dial is a global movement advancing both the participation and leadership of women in tech. 
Jody, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Bart. So thrilled to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you here because um, you know I've known you for a few years, and when I started following uh, the creation of Move the Dial on social media, um, you know, really it struck me as something that whose time was now. I mean, now when we listen to um, statistics around representation of women in tech, when we hear stories about uh, imbalances in pay coming out, uh, and when we see, um, you know, kind of the growing awareness that uh, tech companies are not the utopias and meritocracies that they may have held themselves up to be, uh, it seems that the time is now to move the dial. So Absolutely. it's great to have you on and, and uh, talk about how you do that through communication. So maybe I'll turn it over to you to share with us the story of how uh, Move the Dial came to be and what the vision is for it today. Sure. I love telling the story. And, uh, you know, when we think about communication, my passion for the urgent story of Move the Dial, I think, is often a huge part of uh, how it's grown. So I spent most of my career in law. I started in tech. And I, in part, left tech because there weren't too many female role models at the top. I had great support of men around me, but you really can only be what you can see. And when you're driven to be at the top uh, of the ranks of, of, a, of a team and there aren't any women there, it's really hard to think that there's a place for you in a company or an industry. So fast forward 15 years later, and then I left law, uh, being offered the CEO role of a nonprofit in the tech space. It's called PeerScale, then it was called Ace Tech. It's like a YPO for tech CEOs. And so essentially, it was a group of uh, members, 200 y members. YPO is Young Presidents Organization, right? Young Presidents mm -hmm. Organization, where really the focus in YPO as well as in PeerScale is on peer-to-peer -peer learning for seasoned tech executives that want to learn from one another how to scale their businesses. And specifically what was interesting about it to me was that it was about scaling technology companies, not startup technology companies. They have a minimum threshold around revenue and team size and IP. And that is a very specific challenge in the Canadian market altogether. We're getting better at it as we're seeing more tech companies scale and grow and IPO. However, you know, I got to my first dinner with the entire membership and I looked around the room and there was about 3% women Wow. out of 130 people. Wow. So that was really what I call seed one of Move the Dial mm -hmm. where... So you, you know, saw that, so you looked out and you said, something's wrong here. <laughs> yeah, there's a problem. And I wasn't used to it, right. perhaps naively coming from law where I was working with lots of different mm -hmm. executive women. Seed two is someone did something for me that I call um, a move the dial moment. I'm sure you've mm -hmm. done these many times, mm -hmm. Bart, for people in your network where someone who um, knew me and believed in me used two minutes of his day plus relationship capital to mm -hmm. change my entire life. How, how did he do it? So what he did is he called the organizer of a trip to Israel mm -hmm. uh, that was taking the mayor on a tech trade mission from Canada, the from mayor Toronto, of Toronto, mayor of Toronto taking us to Israel to learn about their ecosystem. It was a complete commercial mission on how do we innovate and learn from the best in the world on how they grew their technology ecosystem. And it was fascinating, and I really hadn't earned my spot on the trip, having been a tech leader for about five minutes. Right. And, um, <laughs> but he believed I, in you. <laughs> he believed in mm -hmm. me, and I was one of the women that he put on the trip. There weren't that many women on the trip, but that wasn't really actually what formed um, this next piece, it was really about the act of that generosity, the proactivity, mm -hmm. you know, and, and really taking action to actually advance my own career. 
knowing that I could have an impact. Then the last seat of Move the Dow is I met these incredible women who happened to be the founders of an organization called I Angels, and it is a um, you know crowd sort of a, almost like a venture capital fund that you can fund online from anywhere in the world, and and it's completely transparent with all the diligence. Very articulate, brilliant women, and I said, hey, when you just said you were going to, in their talk they gave us, stop in Toronto on an American tour for a hundred million dollars. Mm. I don't have so many friends in technology. Like, I really haven't been here this long, right. but I make friends easily, and right. I'll make a little event around you, and why don't you stop in Toronto? And they looked at me like I was insane and said, well, like, why would you do this for us? Right. You don't even know us. Mm. And I said, I just want to move the dial for you. Mm. Was, and was that when you coined the phrase? Yes. So the movement in that moment was going to be an event. And it really started as the idea of a small event. And then I remember writing an email mm-hmm. to all these guys that were on the trip saying, hey, I have this idea. We'll showcase Israel. We'll showcase women. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can do this little event. Who wants to help? You know, and a whole bunch of people were just like, sure, we'll help. No problem. We're in. And um, they came to the table and, and sort of helped in different ways, getting contacts, helping with speakers. I asked my brother to host this at his office. He has a, a, a company called Wealth Simple, So mm-hmm. he had space for us. And... Um, gave me a designer to make the logo, hashtag move the dial. And my organization was amazingly supportive and we hustled and sort of got together an invite for an event for 30 people. Sent it out December 23rd, 2016. Two days later, we had 1,000 people registered. Wow. Yeah. So that wow. that's how Move the Dial was born. Mm. An event that turned into a movement pretty mm. much overnight. Mm. There was a voracious appetite in the room to see... Rockstar women in technology. Right. So you and tapped into something. You realized then that, okay, because I, I know this was this was done on the side of your desk, right? This was not your day job, right? Right. And then you were you done this little event that had become something much larger. Was that what then led you to say, okay, I need to make this my full time passion? Yeah, and, and I think the calling to to the full time commitment was a sort of longer story. It took mm-hmm. a year to really recognize sure. that that had to happen, but. You know, in that moment, I felt called to something. Mm-hmm. And I said, I never intended to set out to build a global movement. I've just become the CEO of this other organization, right. which I was, you know, extremely passionate about mm-hmm. and excited about and, you know, really determined to do. And this was really born as what I actually saw as an opportunity right. to, to bring something interesting to the market for the market. Right. But I wrote an op-ed in The Globe, and I was like, we need to build a movement. Mm-hmm. Like, this is crazy yeah. town, and, right. and uh, <laughs> we need to do something here. And... I had looked around and and tried to get some statistics on the Canadian landscape for when I was going on BNN. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with data, and mm-hmm. I like to have it, and there wasn't any data. Right. There had been some research done a few years ago that was sort of venture fund oriented, mm-hmm. but um, there really wasn't any meaningful data on the state of the nation. So project number one to me was get a baseline report. What right. is the state of the nation with some partners? Mm-hmm. And project number two for me was just keep doing these right. great events, whatever they should be, and let's let's and have a meeting and invite people to the table. Hmm. So when when did you actually formally start move the dial? Well, really, the day after that first after, event, okay. it became a movement, and it right. started out as a program at, through Mars, and and, and mm-hmm. had a whole bunch of sponsors for last right. year. And you know, it really started as a very grassroots, mm-hmm. self-organizing, mm-hmm. you know, thing. 
and a whole bunch of incredible advisors and volunteers that are amazing and, mm -hmm. and without which this would never have happened. Right. So the likes of Sabrina Jeremiah, head of Google, mm -hmm. Janet Bannister, mm -hmm. um, who's at Real Ventures, Pat Krajewski, who was a boss of mine at Scotiabank mm -hmm. many, many years mm -hmm. ago. Incredible men, Jay Rosenzweig, Chris Even, yeah. you know, the guys. That there's, like, there's a ton of PwC, like right. tons of people who just said, I'm in. So let's talk about this for a sec, because to me, I know you're, you've done something amazing. You've created something amazing here. But I think you, you need to give yourself more credit uh, on the fact that, you know, people don't just say, I'm in, right? You know, there's, there's a lot that has to happen because we all know of people who have a great idea or see a need, or, and then no one says, I'm in. And so what I'd like to ask you is, how, how did you get people to say, I'm in? What do you, and whether it's as a volunteer, whether it's as a sponsor, talk to me about what your secret sauce is, and maybe give, give me a couple examples of how you did it. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I think, you know, if you were to ask me what the three elements are that Please. I think have made this successful, this is how I would describe them. Okay. First, I think you do have to have a very strong vision and be able to communicate it with a complete sense of purpose and authenticity. So, what I know to be true is that the absolute best visionaries and orators of those visions have had a simple vision and have fundamentally believed in what they are doing. So when you think about who my mm -hmm. influences are, I've probably watched Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream a Tremendous. thousand times right. in my career. And I do that very intentionally. Mm -hmm. First of all, to influence how I communicate. Second of all, because to hold yourself authentically committed to a, a vision requires that level of commitment and passion. Right. On the days that are hard, like even today, is a difficult day from a mm -hmm. volume perspective. Right. The only way that I get through it and, and manage all mm -hmm. the competing priorities is to sort of go back to the right. I have a dream of what the work is mm -hmm. that we are doing. So it's, your, the, it's your why. <laughs> it is your why. Right. So I think for, sort of for any leader, being absolutely clear at all times on the why, mm -hmm. but then aligning you know, that why to a real sense of North Star authenticity mm -hmm. is what the differentiator is. Because you can say, my company has mission X. If right. you don't mm -hmm. actually fundamentally believe in the mission. It's not compelling. And deeply care about <laughs> right. it. It's not compelling right. and nobody's buying into right. it. Because it's not compelling to you. That's the thing. That's 100% you know, right. And so often the company says, this is our vision. Now you have to go communicate this. And if the person does, to your point, people just don't believe it. Right. And it falls flat. So that really leads me to the next okay. ingredient. And I think, you know, for me, authenticity is sort of the number one differentiator and secret sauce around me as a leader mm -hmm. and around what is happening here. I'm the first person to stand up in any room and say, I am not a perfect human. Mm. We all have our flaws, but this is the human that I am. Mm. And I think what has resonated with literally every person who has jumped into support Move the Dial as a sponsor, as a partner, as a champion, as an employee, is that they see and connect with that authenticity. Right. And I will be the first to say also, when I'm not an expert in something, that I don't have the answer. But my own arrival at this time in my life of being prepared to show up as I fully mm -hmm. am, out there mm -hmm. to see, admitting when I don't know, mm -hmm. and sharing a lot of pieces of me, I think is really what brings people in. So for, yeah. I'll give you an example. Please. I was at RBC on International Women's mm -hmm. Day with a group of over 700 people, 600, 700 people in the room giving a, a keynote. And it's a big room. Mm -hmm. But 
I always start my talks with who I am as a human, not what I do. Mm. So who I am as a human. And what did you I, tell them? <laughs> number one most important job in life is mom to Lily. Mm. She's nine. She's curious. She's brilliant. She mm. loves to code. She's empathic towards animals. And my number one objective is to nourish her mind, body, soul. I love yoga. Mm -hmm. I'm an avid spinner. I right. love to cook. I lived in Milan. Um, and I'm, a, you know, used to be lawyer who's right. now really happy that I'm in tech. Right. <laughs> so that's who I am. Mm -hmm. And I love to travel. Once you tell people who you are and you can actually connect with them as a human, mm -hmm. you take the guard down a bit. Then what happens is I frame my content as much as I can um, through my personal history and stories and using my own biography mm -hmm. and journey to share whatever point it is I'm trying to make. It's extremely vulnerable to yeah. do that. But what happens is the audience just connects more. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. There's, there's a piece I published on LinkedIn about communication skills in the future of work. Mm -hmm. And it, you know, I've been in this business for almost 20 years. Right. And th this is antithetical to what it was when it started, which is you know, the kind of Jack Welch, super CEO, everything has to be perfect, no vulnerability shown. And people do not want that anymore because it just seems inauthentic. We want our leaders to show us who they are as people as well before we listen to them. 100%. Mm -hmm. And so I think that authenticity, when it, whether it's me talking to an individual person or to a large group, or around what happens in a room when you put off, when you put and welcome mm -hmm. authenticity to it, is game changing in terms right. of what people are prepared to do. Is there ever a downside to that vulnerability? Have you ever have you ever paid a price for sharing too much? Yes, you know yeah. I ha yeah. I have had an experience. You know I will never forget the day where I was at a. Uh, CEO retreat and I was thanking you know people and I got emotional hmm. I, I actually was moved to tears by my gratitude and me as a human does that sometimes and I got some feedback from one of my board members that that might not be the best thing to do when you're in a room full of you know mostly um, <laughs> um, but you know listen it was very interesting to me and I was really happy I received the feedback because it stopped me in my tracks and made me think about, will I lose presence if I show emotion? Right. Do I, can I not command a room and be taken seriously as a CEO of what I anticipate will be a very large organization? Mm -hmm. And I, when I reflect on that, what I say to myself is, well, that's who I am. Right. And I cannot show up in the world with all I've been through. And by the way, you know, you don't get to this level of bravery or insanity, one of the two. You know, I'm a single 40-year-old woman starting a startup, right? That, that is... Um, takes courage. Takes a lot of courage, and I would never have gotten yeah, here you, but for mm -hmm. many painful growth experiences mm -hmm. along the way that gave me this strength and courage and, and enabled me to strengthen my mm -hmm. resilience muscle, mm -hmm. muscle because I, when we get to talk about what does an entrepreneur need, it is that. Um, you know, but I, I don't apologize for who mm -hmm. I am. I am who I am. I'm showing right. up in the world with, with uh, an openness to mm -hmm. always learn and a humility, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I hope to impart mm -hmm. that there's so much I don't know, but I'm not going to apologize for who I am. And, you know, I just love that you're in this space and that the second point you're making is around authenticity. And I think a lot of people listening probably think, my gosh, I wish I could speak that freely. I wish I could be that... But you know, I work in a company where it's very corporate, or I work in, 
in an organization where you know I've gotten feedback from someone, you know, don't show that part of yourself, and I, and I I feel that I may have too much to lose. What would your advice to them so, be? So what I'm particularly hoping, maybe yeah, even I'm, to women in tech, 100%. right? One hundred percent. I mean, I, I'll frame it this way. My hope and optimism mm -hmm. is that the way we're moving the entire conversation around inclusion mm -hmm. is away from diversity. I mean, diversity is like table stakes. We need to have diverse perspectives at the table. I don't even think we need to talk about that problem. We know that we know it to be true. But how you make somebody actually feel included is not necessarily just by asking them a question. It's by, in my respectful perspective, welcoming the answer that they give you and embracing it in all of its humanity. Mm. So how do you create a culture of belonging, which is where I believe this entire diversity and inclusion conversation really needs to go. Right. There are major leaders in the universe talking a lot about this work and that study belonging deeply. And Salesforce is a, a rock star example mm. of an amazing uh, leader in this space that is highly focused on building a family through the art of crafting an inclusive culture that is one of belonging, where people are welcome hmm. and encouraged to show up as their authentic selves. Right. And if you can't, you know, if I was coaching or advising a CEO of a major public company, I would say, if your people in this world, where everything is transparent, everything on your phone and social media, if people don't feel that they can be valued as the humans they are, mm -hmm. they actually can't bring their best selves to right. work. Because well, then they're hiding. So Jody. Yes. You did the you did the you started to move the dial. You realized there was no data on women in tech. You did the study. What did you learn? So, you know, the things that we saw in the research were as bad as we expected them to be in terms of the results. How bad? So currently only five percent of Canadian tech companies have a solo female founder. When companies with male and female co-founders are factored in, the percentage only increases to 13%. Wow. But that is where there is a male at the table. And many of the female founders that I talk about actually struggle with, should I bring on male co-founders just for the optics no. of it? Yes. And, yeah, and have. And have actually been able to raise funding once they, ha once they have males on their executive team and <laughs> or seen as uh, being in a co-founder role. In addition to that... Women comprise 13% of the average tech company's executive team, with 53% of tech companies having zero female executives at all. And on average, only 8% of directors on boards of Canadian tech companies are women. 73% of boards have zero women at all. And so these numbers are really Terrible. not uh, yeah. good enough. And when even when you look in venture capital, only 12% of Canadian venture companies have a female partner. Now, the government is working, obviously, very hard right. to change that, but, but that's sort of the state of the mm -hmm. nation. And for me, you know, Bart, we know what the problem is, mm -hmm. and I think there's incredibly important work that has happened to change the landscape of how we're going to be talking about advancing women for the rest of time this year, between Time's Up and the Me Too movement, which were both landmark in time and incredibly important work. The work that we focus on and the work that I'm most passionate about is so like time's up, now what? Like right. we could talk about time's up till forever. Right. But I want to think about what do we actually have to do to move the dial mm -hmm. fast to change those numbers that I was talking about. So what do you have to do? So very, very simply, mm -hmm. 
It is a philosophy of proactive action. Okay. When we think about how that translates into our tactics, mm -hmm. that is sort of in two buckets. There is a large um, collaborative effort that needs to be made from a systemic perspective and in terms of how we are working together to advance women in our companies. So that's one piece of work that we do at Move the Dial is bringing together partners from tech proper, I say with quotes, because you know, sort of the way people would typically perceive a tech company, like um, you know, uh, a scaling SaaS business, mm -hmm. for example. Software service. Software yeah. as a service business. But also when we look at corporations, consulting firms, banks, mm -hmm. mining companies, any company. Yeah. Who have tech shops in their That's right. Entities. And who are becoming right. um, technology companies yeah. altogether because they're entirely reliant right. on technology, right, to drive right. their solutions. So there's, we have to, we're bringing them, those people together to really learn from each other best practice, mm -hmm. create a very simple roadmap as to what the big actions they need to take together are in order to actually make substantive change quickly. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, even the best, even like a Salesforce or a CIBC, and who's a wonderful partner, mm -hmm. of our, partner of ours, or TD, PwC, these companies out doing it alone will move the dial inside their companies mm -hmm. slowly. But if they can share the work that they've done for many, many years with the technology companies that are just starting from scratch to create right. inclusion strategies, we can actually work together to move fast. So there's that piece one. Okay. Piece two for me is around um, you know, mindset shift. Mm -hmm. Mindset throughout the entire life cycle of women in technology, which includes people of all genders, because you of course have right. to have champions and supporters and other people that are making this happen. So, that expresses itself right now as part of a platform that we call Move the Dial Stories. Hmm. It's events, it's digital, it's you know different ways of sharing the stories of incredible women in tech, their human authentic stories, hmm. and their big ideas for the world. You can't, to me, hire, promote, advance, or become what you can't see. So if you imagine sort of like Ted, Mm -hmm. for women in tech. Mm -hmm. Move the Dial Stories is that platform. So we're having a, a huge mm -hmm. event in November in Toronto. It's our first inaugural annual right. summit that will feature rock star women in tech as well as some substance. Right. Bringing in C-suite and up and coming talent and youth right. as well as, you know, we're doing global events. So mm -hmm. we're in New York in a few weeks, in San Francisco, in LA. Mm -hmm. We gather 150 people. Mm -hmm. And so this is a chance to come and see I mean, you mentioned early in your life when you worked in tech, there were no role models. There That's were right. no kind of proof of concepts. And you said, well, this is not the future for me. And, and so one way you're attacking that reality is by bringing women who do personify success stories in tech and, and then also sharing their ideas to, to make change. Is that right? A hundred percent. And we are working, you know, there's, there, these are two pieces of our program. But right. Fundamentally, what we do is we build network. We build community, mm -hmm. we change mindset, right. we create you know, a path forward to actually making the substantive change right. through collaboration deeply, and you know, really are trying to shift the mindset mm -hmm. of individuals and frankly our entire society mm -hmm. around what it takes to actually make this kind of big change. There, let's imagine there's a tech company or a big company with a tech division within it, and you can pick one that, that you're actually working with. And they look at the executives look at it and they say, "My gosh, we've got to do something about this. We recognize that we are, say, 20% women. 
we are and fewer in the executive ranks. We know that having diversity is good for business outcomes and we need to create the kind of inclusive, inclusive culture where women can bring their best ideas forward. But what do we do? You know, we've been struggling for years uh, you know, on our own. If we were to work with you, what should our company do differently to move our own dial? What would you tell them? So that's a great question. And we are, I would say, And do you get this question from companies? Yeah, I mean, all the time. And we're engaging all the time with these different kinds of companies. And out of getting that question all the time, I actually really decided and, and have learned that we need to do more. Okay. So the way that we started doing that was by partnering with these companies. Wealth Simple is a great example. They're our founding partner in Move the Dial. Mm -hmm. We are helping the educate. And, and what their, did they come to you so for? They if you came don't mind to us asking. specifically because they wanted our help, ensuring that their team, their entire team, got appropriate harassment training and to understand what that looks like and to help articulate their policy to the organization. They wanted help to advance and support and promote their rock star women leaders and to, to think through and work on ways to attract more. Hmm. The thing, though, that's super you know, interesting to me and what I noticed is that tech companies like Wealthsimple and, and others that I've spoken to, other founders, are really aching for what is the right solution mm -hmm. and when do you start and how do we get this right because the work is really hard. I find it hard for my own team. You know, I'm, I'm mindful of how much I have to learn and I go to advisors and friends of Move the Dial to teach me how to... Mm -hmm be more uh, thoughtful in our, in our own recruiting strategy to ensure that we have a very diverse applicant pool, that we are not letting any bias into that. Yeah. And I've had to it's shift challenging. and learn. We've, and we've had to be intentional in our work, and we are by no means perfect either. It's, it's, a, it's, it's really, a really hard. But one of the things that I have definitely noticed is a, a need to deliver a more meaningful solution to these tech companies. So I'm actually actively working at the moment. Mm with long-standing diversity experts to create that mm. offering. So there's no, the, in short, there's no simple solution. There but isn't. It, starts with in, it sounds like it starts with intention. It starts with intention and a mindset and then doing a whole lot mm -hmm. of really, really hard work and making it a full-time strategic right. priority. Like there's no getting around that. Right. It has to be at the top of the list. And then there are very specific tactics. So we are working on what can we provide to tech companies to make this mm -hmm. roadmap easier learning from the best of. We're not the first people to, to try this, but there's a very specific life cycle and need set that a tech company has. They can't afford to go hire a PwC or Deloitte or McKinsey for $100,000 to do a diversity consulting project when they don't even have $100,000. Right. They might have $10, but they still want to get this right. So there's got to be a way mm -hmm. you know, to, to, to help guide these tech companies as they're growing so that it's not a big problem after they've hired mm -hmm. a team of 50 people. So that's number one. And number two, we're really trying to learn what the global best practices are when you're looking at larger scale tech companies. You know, um, how, what are the ways that, that companies that are doing really, really well at building cultures of belonging that have many diverse people, not only women, at the table are doing right so that we can make sure that we're using a best in class approach every single time we write a diversity strategy and as opposed to spinning our wheels and starting from scratch. Right. But let's, let's get more granular here, and let's imagine that we have individual women. Well, we, we don't have to imagine. We do. We have individual women in these companies where they are a distinct minority. Yes. And let's say they're in companies where there is not a culture of inclusion or openness to their views. And it may not be a, a conscious exclusion, but it may be you know, almost benign exclusion or um, you know, unconscious bias. What advice would you give to those women about how to speak up 
uh, within their own organizations uh, to start moving the dial uh, where they work? That's a very thoughtful question. I think, you know, one of the strategies, I've done a lot of reading and learning, of course, as I've mm -hmm. moved into this, this area. And, and one of the things I, I read about McDonald's in its early days, actually, of becoming a real leader in using diversity as a competitive advantage was the power of employee resource groups. And it sounds like so simple and so trite, but actually if you were to study some of the best cases around the area of DNI right now, LinkedIn does, this, does this well, you look at Adobe does this well, Salesforce, if you look at you know, some of the banks are doing this incredibly well here, the power, and McDonald's certainly did this well, and there's very powerful stories of you know, even a young black woman who was very much in the position that you were talking about, that she you know, was a minority, didn't have a voice, so she built, she joined an employee resource group that was just mm -hmm. forming, you know, and then 10 years later, and she attributes the success of opening 10 franchise restaurants mm -hmm. and becoming a manager and a supervisor right. and to the power of the collective. So you would advise them then to, if there's no employee resource group, to take the initiative to speak up to form one. Yes. And if there isn't, if there aren't any other women, like, you know, there, I was mm -hmm. recently at a tech company where there was only one woman developer out of like 20 and there wasn't really anyone else there for her to talk to, to build those relationships outside of the company mm -hmm. that will make you feel supported, heard, mm -hmm. be a safe place in order to, to develop a voice and, and ask for what you want. So in right. this case, you know, the, the female developer was articulating that she was really, you know, um, that she was really, you know, seeking to have more women that were being, right. you know, recruited to the company and, and really needing to be heard. And so through being able to share that with other peers outside was then able to get strong enough to go articulate mm. that message back inside. So that's and what was the reaction? Very well received. But mm. sometimes, you know, uh, you know, the perspective is um, you're not sure. What the perception is that you're not sure how well it will be received. Right. And I've heard other stories of, 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 you know, female developers trying to stand up not even stand up, but just ask for what they need and mm -hmm. more support and not being heard and mm -hmm. leaving, hmm. you know? So I think um, And is that a, what you advise? I mean, I'm interested in that. Obviously, if you speak up and are heard, that's the best case scenario. Yes. It starts the movement. Starts. Yeah. But if you speak up and you don't hear a receptive ear, what would your advice be to them? Would it be to push more? Would it be to just, you know, say this culture is not going to change? How, how so should they I, handle I just, it? I think it really depends on your personality and your authentic mm. comfort level. Like, so for me... You know, one of my best practices, if there's women listening that, you know, don't have that as a resource, is to go seek out a mentor right. and, and someone that you do feel safe with to help coach you through how to have these conversations. I'm very blessed that my entire career has been created through a sequence mm -hmm. of having very powerful mentors that became sponsors, right. that became friends, that support me. But even still, when I'm having a difficult moment, I go to one of them mm -hmm. and I say, hey, I've got this really tough conversation I have to have with an investor or a board. And right. Or a sponsor, and I'm not. How should I navigate it? Hmm. What do you think? There's a lot of work that you do ahead of those conversations with to test out how you'll make the arguments. Is that right? A hundred percent. I mean, I certainly, you know, if you were to ask me, and back to like sort of the beginning of the podcast around part of the secret sauce, mm -hmm. things like what I'm building don't just happen. Hmm. Like Apple didn't just happen either, right. right? Like these companies don't just happen. There's a lot of thought and care. Mm -hmm into so many little details that are like right. a, Jenga a Jenga game, pieces right. of a Jenga game. And, and fundamentally, the most important pieces of that Jenga game are the foundation. And the foundation is, 
how do I communicate? Mm -hmm. How do I present the vision? How do I present the message? How do I have difficult conversations? I might not always get it perfect, but my own standing rule is to prepare for those difficult conversations, right. to anticipate what might come at me. So I've thought about what I actually want to say and to hang on to my values. Mm -hmm. And when you hang on to your values as your North Star, and you know, you, you I think are ready for, you, you can navigate these difficult conversations, whatever may come your way. Right. And often when I'm checking in with these you know, sponsors or mentors around, you know, what do you think of this? Or, you know, and I'm maybe second guessing myself, especially when you're in a public role. I mean, it, that happens. People might not agree with me. They might, you right. know, sometimes. Um, but often, actually, the response I get is like, you're spot on in your gut. Mm -hmm. Trust yourself. You got mm -hmm. this. And I think that's, you know, a great way to wrap because, you know, it really is great advice for anyone who wants to start a movement. And it doesn't, uh, look, I don't think anyone, uh, you know, should, should feel intimidated by what you've done, but just the opposite, be inspired. You know, not everyone may go out and start a, a movement like Move the Dial, but sometimes movements are tiny, right? And it's like that, the, the woman at McDonald's who started an employee resource group. And if we are going to collectively move the dial, you know, I think everyone can really be inspired by your lessons on how to speak up. You know, start with that strong vision. Have conviction. That's your, as you said, your values are your North Star. You know, bring that authenticity. And, you know, prepare for the conversations. It's, yeah. it's uh, great takeaways for everyone. Thank you. Yeah. Jody, if people want to learn more about Move the Dial, if they want to come to an event, where should they go? Movethedial.com and sign up for our newsletter and our event mailings, and you'll be uh, kept in the know. And, and certainly watch soon for our global summit being yeah. li launched live very shortly. Well, thank you for coming on the Inspired Podcast, but also thank you for starting this movement. I think it's, uh, it's timely. Thank you. Thank you Thanks. so much, Bart. I hope you enjoyed my conversation today with Jody Kovitz. It's clear that if you can speak with the kind of authenticity, courage, and passion that she has, you can really change the world. I give her all credit for what she's doing, and it's an important cause, and she's the right person to be moving the dial. Uh, I will put in the episode notes some details about Move the Dial, so you can check it out, attend one of their conferences, and uh, find out how you can be part of the cause. Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate and review us. Uh, send me your thoughts. Appreciate all the support, and I'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks.